Thank you for joining us today. At ResLife, our mission is to develop committed followers of Jesus Christ to reach the world. Our content is created to equip and empower you in God's purpose. We hope you enjoy this message. Let's turn over to Ephesians chapter 2, and I want to share some really simple things with you. And because it's so simple, please don't overlook this. But, you know, I found out, I've been in ministry now for 52 years, 50, nearly 53 years, and I found out that it's what people, the things that they're passing over are what they really need. They're always looking for something brand new, and yet it's just the foundational truths that, that would set people free. And here is a real simple truth. It's a great passage of Scripture. I'm going to break right into the middle of what he said, but in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8, it says, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. And what I want to share with you is just some really, really simple things about how that grace is God's part, faith is our part. Now, that's really simple. But you know what? A lot of people don't understand this. They think that faith is something we do to get God to move. And I'm going to say some things that uh, I hope it doesn't cause any problems. I've, everything I'm going to speak against, I've said at one time or another. So I'm not against anybody. Please don't get wrong. But we use these statements like faith moves God. Faith doesn't technically move God. God moves by grace, and grace by definition is what He does for us. It's who He is, everything that He has, and He does it for us independent of us, separate from our performance. If there's anything that you have to do in order to get grace, well, then it's not grace. So grace is something that God does independent of us, prior to us existing, and that's God's part. And faith doesn't move God. Faith just reaches out and appropriates what God has already provided. Now, most of you, that probably went right over your head. It took me 20 years to get to where I could say that. I'm slow. But that's powerful. Faith doesn't make God do anything. If you think that it does, if you think that faith is something you have to do to motivate God to somehow or another move in your life, then that's what wears people out. That's what makes the Christian life hard is when you feel like you've got to do something to get God to move in your life. But the truth is God, by grace, moved before you ever existed and he's already provided everything. God has done everything he's going to do. Jesus is seated at the Father's right hand. He is not healing people today. He's not delivering people today. He's not setting people free. He's already done it. He released all of that power at the cross, and it is already done. You don't have to have God do anything to produce whatever it is that you need in your life. You know, let me just, uh, I'm going to, for time's sake, I'm going to just refer to this, but you can turn over to the book of Genesis chapter one, and you can see that when God created the heavens and the earth, he didn't create us first. He created us last, not because we were, you know, the last thing on his mind. We were actually the focus of all of creation and everything, but he created us last because it wasn't ready for us yet. 
When Adam and Eve were created, they didn't have to come to God and say, God, I'm hungry. And he didn't respond by saying, oh, well, I'll, I'll create you something to eat. No, he anticipated that they would need to eat, that they would need to breathe. And before they were ever created, he had created everything that they would ever need. And God thought through creation so that now we have over 7 billion people on the planet. And did you know that God isn't having to respond and say, oh, well, I better create some more air. I better create some more food. I better do this. God anticipated anything that would ever happen on this planet. And if we grow to where we have 14 billion people or whatever happens, God has anticipated the needs that we will have. And before he even created people, he had created everything we would ever need. You know, this is why I'm not one of those that's into, man, I hate to even get off on this because I'll offend people and I'll, I don't want to spend time to justify it. But I'm leaving anyway, so I'll just say this and... <laughs> I'll let Dwayne straighten all of this out when I'm gone. But this is why I don't buy into climate change. I believe that the climate changes all of the time. But you know what? To think that God somehow or another didn't know this and we're going to ruin the planet? You can't ruin the planet. You arrogant thing to think that you can somehow or another overcome everything that God has done. Dwayne will straighten all this out when I'm gone. But... God has anticipated everything. You know, I've got a guy on staff that has built a, a motor that runs off water, and he's run his car 100,000 miles on water. If we run out of oil, God's there, there is no lack. There's nothing missing. There's only our knowledge of how to use what God has already done. And so anyway, God created everything you'll ever need. And that wasn't only true of the original creation, but when you got born again, God put on the inside of you the same spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 18 and 19, prays that the eyes of your understanding would be enlightened so that you could see the hope of his calling. And it says in verse 19, and the exceeding greatness of his power towards us, the same power that he used when he raised Jesus Christ from the dead. You've got the same power living on the inside of you if you are born again that raised Jesus Christ from the dead. You don't need more power. God has already done everything. When you got born again, he placed within you raising from the dead power and you don't need God to heal you. By grace, Jesus has already healed everyone. 1 Peter 2.24 says, uh, Who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree, that we being dead to sin should live unto righteousness, by whose stripes you were healed. Were healed. You aren't waiting on God to heal you. God's already put raising from the dead power on the inside of you. See, that's grace. That's God's part. And then faith is not something you do to say, oh God, I've gone to church, I've paid my tithes, I've done this, I've spoken the word, now will you heal me? See, if that's the way you're approaching healing, that's the reason you aren't healed. It's because you don't believe God's already done it. You believe he has to respond to you. And man, that opens you to condemnation because the truth is none of us have done everything perfectly. Every one of us failed. You know, my wife took my granddaughter and they went uh, on a trip. And so I've been by myself the last few days. And I've studied the Word 12 hours a day the last few days, just studying the Word. 
You think, man, isn't that awesome? But you know what? It's never enough. It's never enough. That's not enough. If I was depending on the fact that I've been studying the word and God, I've done this and that, well, the devil will come say, well, you were up 15 hours. What'd you do with the other three? You wasted them. As long as you are saying, God, I've done this and this and this, now will you move? You have just opened yourself up to condemnation, guilt, failure. You're basing your healing or whatever it is that you're believing for upon yourself and not upon God. But see, if you get it proper, faith doesn't, God doesn't respond to your faith. God didn't respond to Adam and Eve saying, I'm hungry, I need something. No, before they ever had the need, he had already created the supply. God has anticipated everything you'll ever need, and by grace, it was already done. When Jesus said, it's finished, he meant it's finished. He's now seated at the Father's right hand. He's not having to work and perform things. It's already been done, and he placed on the inside of every one of us this supernatural raising from the dead power. And what faith is, faith just reaches out and appropriates what God has already provided by grace. When Adam and Eve were hungry, they didn't have to ask God. God had already provided all, but they still had to do something. What they had to do is like if it was a banana, they had to reach out and take it and peel it and eat it. God didn't just stick it in their mouth or intravenously feed them. They had something to do, but their faith was just a response to what God had already provided. Here's an, that's another definition of faith. Faith is not only appropriating what God has already provided, but faith is your positive response to what God has already done. If you are calling faith something you do to get a positive response to God, then that's not faith. That's what the Bible calls works. And that's the only thing that will stop the power of God. You have to get to a place where you no longer are trying to do something to get God to move, but instead you are responding to what you believe God has already provided by grace. Let me use another passage of Scripture here to illustrate this over in Mark chapter 11 and in verse uh, 24. These are the passages that Kenneth Hagin wrote. If you ever heard Kenneth Hagin preach, he preached on this nearly every time. People thought he wrote this, but it says in Mark chapter 11, verse 24, it says, whatsoever, therefore I say unto you, whatsoever things you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. Now people take this and they preach. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to confess the word. I'm going to say, I believe I've got this and God, you've got to move. That is totally wrong. God does not respond to your faith. You don't make God do anything by you believing. I actually knew a woman, uh, the town I grew up in, it was Arlington, Texas. And a woman started a Bible college there, just had a few people in it. But she took this exact verse and she claimed Kenneth Copeland as her husband. She wanted to marry Kenneth Copeland. And so she said, well, whatsoever things I desire when I pray, believe that I receive them and I shall have them. So she claimed Kenneth Copeland as her husband and believed that they were going to get married. And the way she dealt with Kenneth being married to Gloria Copeland was just to curse her and command her to die and get out of the way. 
And she actually had a wedding ceremony where she wore a wedding dress and they got married in the spirit. Of course, Kenneth Copeland wasn't there. This was just her. And she did this and she claimed Kenneth Copeland and they just waited on, on Gloria to die so that Kenneth and this woman could marry. Now, most of us, when you hear something like that, you say, oh, that's not right. Why? Why isn't it right? Doesn't it say whatsoever? Isn't coveting somebody else's mate a whatsoever? Why can't you do that? The reason you can't do it is because faith doesn't make God do anything. Faith only appropriates what grace has already provided. And grace did not provide adultery and murder as part of the atonement of Jesus, and you can't make him do it to satisfy your needs. That's the answer to this. But see, there's a lot of Christians that honestly, they are just trying to use faith and they think that, God, I'm going to do this and I'm going to confess the word and I'm going to church and I'm living holy. Now you've got to move. God doesn't have to do anything. God, by grace, has already done everything he's going to do. And that verse that I've already quoted, 1 Peter 2, 24, by his stripes, you were healed. It's not going to happen. Jesus healed you 2,000 years ago and put that raising from the dead power on the inside of you. Now, are you going to reach out and appropriate what God has already done? Or are you going to try and do something to get God to heal you? That's a huge difference between those two. There's a huge difference between standing here and fighting because I'm already healed. Jesus has already provided it for me, and you are not, there isn't a demon big enough to steal from me what Jesus has given. So I will confess the word, and I will stand, and I'll resist, not in order to get God to move, but because I believe he's already done it, and I refuse to let go of what Jesus has purchased for me. Some people can't see the difference, but that's a huge difference. One of them, you're resting in what Jesus has already provided, and the other one, you are working, and the burden is all on your shoulders to make God move. And this is behind so much of what, and again, there's a proper use of all of these things, but there, so much of what's called intercessory prayer is trying to get God to move instead of believing that he's already done it. There's intercessors trying to make God pour out his spirit and, oh God, please move and save this person and do that. You, you aren't trying to move God. That's hard. You know, when I first got started on to the Lord, every, got turned on to the Lord, everything I'm talking against, I did. I was raised in religion and I started all night prayer meetings to make God move. And we would fast and pray and do all these things. And I actually one time heard myself say this out of my mouth. I was leading an all-night prayer meeting, and we were walking and praying, and I was beating my fist against the wall and praying, oh, God, move. And I said, if you love the people in Arlington, Texas, half as much as I do, they'd get saved. And when I said that, I thought, boy, something's wrong here. I'm attributing more goodness to me than I am to God. But this is basically what religion does is, oh, God, save this person. If it wasn't for me asking, you wouldn't do anything for them. And I've actually had people come up to me before and say, why hasn't God saved this person? I've been praying for 20 years. I've done this and this and this. And why hasn't God saved them? And you think somehow or another, 
God is responding to your prayer and saving people because of what you've done. That's totally wrong. Jesus has already done everything that it takes to save every person on this planet. You don't have to motivate him. He loves the people that you're praying for more than you love them. You don't need to get God motivated and, oh, God, please touch this person and plead with him. See, that kind of thing is actually offensive to God because you are basically taking credit. If it wasn't for us great intercessors, this whole nation would just go to hell. We are the ones standing in the gap. We're the ones making everything happening. That's not true. But does that mean that you just do nothing and it's all up to God? Nope. You know, out where I live, I live on a dirt road and there's a ditch on both sides of the road for drainage. And if you start sliding into one ditch and if you correct and hit the other ditch, one ditch isn't better than the other ditch, amen. If you want to get your destination, you got to go in between those all the way down the road. And there's a ditch on both sides. The ditch to grace when you start saying that, man, God has already provided everything, the ditch on that side of the road is, well, it just leads to passiveness. Que sera, sera. Whatever will be, will be. It's all up to God. I don't have anything to do with it. That's wrong. But then the ditch on the other side of the road, when you get into faith is, man, faith moves God. I've got to make God do this. I'm going to start confessing the word. I'm going to do this. And God now has to move because I have believed God. That's a ditch over there too, and it'll wear you out. There's a balance between these two. And the balance is that God, you by grace, have already died for the sins of the entire world. It says in 1 John chapter 2, verse 2, that you are the propitiation for our sins and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. Did you know that Jesus has already paid for the sins of the whole world? He died for the sins of the whole world. Now, they aren't saved because they have to, by faith, by grace, God has done his part, but now you, by faith, have to respond to what God has already done. And so, until a person responds in faith, they aren't saved, but the payment's already been made. See, this is why it's so easy for people to get born again, is because we present salvation as it's already done. Jesus died for you 2,000 years ago, before you even were born, before you had ever sinned. He already forgave you of your sins before you ever committed any. How can you doubt that he would forgive you if he's already forgiven you? And so you just tell people the good news and all they have to do is Romans chapter 10, verse 9, confess with their mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in their heart that God raised him from the dead and you shall be saved. It didn't say that if you'll do those things, then Jesus will die for you and he'll forgive your sins. No, he's already made the atonement. He's already paid the price. You don't have to wonder, will he do it? It's already done. And all you got to do is just reach out and receive. And that's the reason it's so easy for people to be born again is because it's presented that Jesus already loves you. He's already paid for it. Now, will you receive? You don't have to do something to get God motivated to save you. He already loved you so much that he sent his son and died for us. He's already paid the price. It's not a matter of will he love you? He does love you. Will you receive his salvation? And somebody says, but I'm not good enough. Well, that has nothing to do with it because it's grace. Grace has provided it. Jesus died for you independent of anything you deserve. 
Before you even existed, he already died for you. Man, that's awesome. And because we present it, see, as God has already done it, now will you, it's just up to you. Will you believe and receive or doubt and do without? It's up to you. It's your choice. And because we present it that way, guess what? People's faith is quickened because their faith is in God, not in themselves, not in the fact that I've lived good enough and now I believe that God's going to save me. The moment you start basing God moving upon what you have done, you have just basically lost because it doesn't matter how good you are. It doesn't matter if you're better than I am, better than Dwayne, better than any person in here. None of us deserve salvation. And the moment you start saying, God, am I good enough? Have I done enough? The moment you do that, Satan is the accuser of the brethren, and he will come and he will point out something in you that isn't right. And for those of you who are thinking that someday you're going to get it all together, it's never going to happen. Man, I've been walking, I've been born again for 62 years. I've been walking with the Lord for 52 years. And you know what? I still mess up. I just did something stupid last week that I thought, God, I'm supposed to be better than this. But you know what? You just, I'm flesh. I'm normal. I'm not perfect. I'm never going to be perfect. And the moment you start saying that, God, now I deserve this, you have just opened yourself up to the devil. He's been at this for thousands of years. He's the one that planted most of your thoughts and feelings and emotions in you. And man, he knows every rotten thing that you've ever done. He will expose you in some way and make you feel unworthy. And if your faith is in yourself and what I've been doing, then you'll get condemned and you won't doubt that God moves. You'll just doubt that he's going to move for you. But see, once you understand that he's already moved, by his stripes you were healed. He's already the propitiation for your sins. He's already paid. He's already commended his love towards you. You're already full of love, joy, peace, long-suffering, Galatians 5, 22. He's already put this on the inside of you. You've already got everything that you will ever need. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath, past tense, blessed us with all spiritual blessings. You're already blessed. There is nothing that you will ever need, healing, money, Joy, peace, leadership, wisdom, a voice from God, nothing that you will ever need that God hasn't already provided and given to you on an unearned, undeserved basis. It's just a matter of will you believe and receive? And did you know ignorance is hindering us from receiving from God? Because intuitively, people don't think this way. This is contrary to natural thinking. In the world system, you have to earn everything. We start it from when kids are real little. They come in and they sing A, B, C, A, B, C, D, E, F, G. Now I've said my ABCs. What do you think of me? And we go, oh, you're awesome. And when they do good, we pat them on the back and we give them rewards. And then they come in with a D and we say, you're grounded. And we tell people that you basically get what you deserve. And in the natural, that's true. And you have to learn that there are consequences to actions. But with God, you don't get what you deserve. If you just go by what's intuitive, if you just go by how you feel and you think that, God, I, I need healing, so now I'm going to 
I'm going to start seeking you. I'm going to go to church. I'm going to pay my tithes. I'm going to do these things. And now will you heal me? That's the only thing that will stop the power of God from operating in your life because you basically are trying to get what you deserve. And I'm telling you, brothers and sisters, if you got what you deserve, we'd all go to hell. If we got what we deserve, none of us would be healed. God has set his kingdom up that you don't get what you deserve. You get what Jesus deserved, and the only thing you have to do, uh, Romans chapter 5, verse 2 says, we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand. The only thing that you have to do to access God's grace is just believe that he's done it on an unearned, undeserved basis. And if you get into trusting in yourself, that's the very thing that stops the power of God. Because by grace, he's not going to give you what you deserve or you'd be in big trouble. The only way you can receive the things of God is by grace through faith and that not of yourselves. That faith isn't of yourselves. God actually gives you his faith. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You know, I've had thousands of people come in my prayer lines. Dwayne and I were visiting a little bit before the service about Dave Duell and I used to come here. Anybody here remember the days with Dave Duell and I used to come? A few of you. Man, he was a wild man. And we just did some, it was great. But anyway, in my meetings, I've had thousands and thousands of people come and ask me to lay hands on them. And I mean, it's probably the majority of people have said something like, I'm fasting, I'm praying, I'm studying the word, I pay my tithes, I go to church, I do this, this, and this. Why hasn't God healed me? When a person says that, you just told me why God hasn't healed you. Because you didn't mention what Jesus had done for you by grace. You mentioned what you have been doing and you reveal that you have You are believing that God is going to move in your life because of your actions. That's the very thing that is stopping God from moving. God won't flow through you and use you because of you. He uses you because of what Jesus has done. And again, it says in uh, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 2, talking about the children of Israel that came out of the land of Egypt. And it said that the word preached unto them did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. You have to put faith in God's grace for it to release its power. You know, it's kind of like a train. A train has two rails and it runs in between those two rails. If you just had one rail over here, you're going to have a train wreck. If all you have is grace or if all you have is faith, you're going to have a train wreck. You've got to run in between those two things. There's a balance. It's like sodium and chloride. Did you know that sodium is poison? If you eat enough of it, it'll kill you. Chloride is poison. If you eat enough of it, it'll kill you. But you mix it together and it becomes salt and you'll die without it. Did you know grace is like that? If all you do is talk about grace, well, then it leads to people just living an unholy lifestyle because after all, it's all about God. God just loves me by grace. It's not based on my performance. That is a true statement. But if you don't understand that faith is what I have to do to access the grace of God, not to earn it, but God has already provided it, but you access grace by faith. So therefore, I've got to study the word. I've got to pray. I need to be living a holy life. But your faith isn't in what you've done. Your faith is in the grace of God. 
And faith, all of these things that you do is just to keep your heart right towards God, not to keep God's heart right towards you. Living holy does not make God love you more. Living unholy does not make God love you less. God loves you because he is love and not because you are lovely. God loves you, period. No difference. But if you don't study the word, if you don't seek the Lord, if you don't keep your mind stayed on the Lord, I was just studying uh, this morning, Isaiah 26, 3, the Lord will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed upon him. God loves all of us, but if your mind isn't stayed upon him, if you're looking at the riots and if you're listening to all of this junk that's going on, and if that's what you're feeding yourself with, you aren't going to have perfect peace. Not because God doesn't love you and because God isn't willing to give it to you. It's because your mind's not stayed upon him. So the reason you stay your mind upon God, the reason you study the word, the reason you go to church the reason you do these things isn't to make God love you. He loves you because he is love. He loves you independent of you. But you won't realize he loves you if you don't keep your mind stayed upon him, if you don't study the word, if you don't come to church, if you don't get around believers. You do all of these things to change your heart towards God, not to change God's heart towards you. God loves you, and that's it period. He just loves you, period. Did you know you, you need to come to church to hear messages like this? And again, I just am so thrilled to see Dwayne and all of the staff here still 30-something years later still doing the same thing. Man, this just blesses my socks off because I've been around long enough to see so many people that get off and do something. They're still just preaching the gospel. It's a great place to come. You need to come to get you built up if you don't come to church, you're stupid. And of course, I'm preaching to all the people that came to church. But did you know what? If you don't come to church, it doesn't affect God's love for you. God doesn't love you less if you don't come to church. He loves you just the same. But if you don't come to church, you're stupid. <laughs> for those of you watching on TV, you're... <laughs> I know there's multiple reasons why you don't come, but I'm saying we need the fellowship. The Bible says we need to come together and exhort one another daily, lest our hearts become hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. Not so that God's heart won't become hardened. God loves you just the same if you never came to church. But if you don't come to church, you're going to hurt yourself. You, you aren't going to build the relationships it's for your good. If you don't come to church, you're stupid. But what I'm saying is, God loves you, stupid. <laughs> God loves you, but you won't love him the same if you don't come to church. God loves you the same. But man, studying the word, this is God's love letter to us. And this just opens your heart up to how good God is. That's why you study the word, not so that you can say, God, I was in the word 12 hours. Now you owe me something. I get one star for every hour I spend in the Word, and I cash in so many stars, and it equals one answer to prayer. People wouldn't use that terminology, but that's basically the logic that, you know, they think that, God, if I do these good things, now you've got to move in my life. That'll stop the power of God because you are basing His move in your life upon you. You think faith is what's moving God. God moved by grace. Before you were ever born, before you'd ever done anything, 
He already moved by grace. He's already provided redemption and forgiveness for you. And faith doesn't make God do anything. He died for you, independent of you, before you were born, before you had ever sinned. He already has commended his love toward us. And now faith just reaches out and says, thank you, Father. Thank you that you have provided salvation. I believe I'll take it. I confess that Jesus is my Lord and I receive that salvation. And it's the same thing with everything else. Colossians chapter 2, verse 6, As you have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him. How did you get saved? By just reaching out and taking what Jesus had already done for you. How do you get healed? By reaching out and taking what Jesus has already done. Not by getting God to do something new. Man, that's powerful. You know, we've got over 40 testimonies on my website of people that have been miraculously healed, including raised from the dead, multiple sclerosis, being healed, um, just everything. I mean, great, great testimonies. And I just approved one uh, Friday night, a brand new one about a kid that uh, couldn't eat. He broke out if he, he was uh, allergic to gluten and just all kinds of stuff. And anyway, he, he would go to the hospital at least a couple of times a year, nearly die. And his parents got hold of all of this teaching. They started believing the word. And they said, would you like a pizza? And he said, yeah, he never had a pizza. He was eight years old. And so they fed him pizza. Within 30 minutes, he was dying. And you know what? They just made a decision. Are we going to believe what the word says? Are we going to run to the doctors? Now, again, I don't misunderstand what I'm saying. I'm not telling you not to go to the doctors. But they had grown to a place to where they knew that Jesus had already done it, and they weren't trying to do something to get healed. They just believed that he was already healed, and they were not going to be moved by what they saw. And anyway, they just stood and prayed, and within 10 or 15 minutes, he was normal. The next day, he ate some other stuff. He had a similar type reaction, and they stood and believed, and within a week or so, he was just totally over it. Now he's 18 or 15, something like that and he's totally healed. He's eating anything that he wants. They're standing and confessing and praying over their son didn't make God heal him, but rather they were just convinced that, Jesus, you've already done it, and we refuse to live less than our privileges. And so it took being in the Word to get to a place to where they could believe more than what they saw. Matter of fact, the father in this testimony that I was reading, he even said, man, it looked like I was killing my son. And he was having to fight his own thoughts. You can't do that unless you've been in the Word. It's not that being in the Word earned you healing. No, it's that Satan is coming against us. We live in a society that is baptized in unbelief. I mean, we... Man, I could... Spent a lot of time on that, but I shouldn't have to spend much time verifying that. If all you got to do is turn on the television. Man, there's just terrible unbelief and stuff. And so it is pressing in on us from every direction. And I guarantee you, unless you got your nose in the Word, unless you're spending more time in the light of God's Word than you are in the light of your television, you aren't going to be able to stand when something looks contrary. So the reason you get into the Word is to build you up and to increase your faith, not to make God love you more. God can't love you any more than He does. He loves you, period. 
He loves you and there's nothing you can do about it. There's nothing you can do to make him love you more. There's nothing you can do to make him love you less. But there's things you can do that'll make you love God more. And that's the reason that we do all of these things. So I go back to the original verse that I was using. By grace, you're saved. Jesus has provided everything, not only forgiveness of sins, but healing, prosperity, joy, peace, Everything you will ever need has already been provided. Now, are you going to just rest and believe that it's done? Or are you going to believe that you've got to now do something? You've got to call a thousand intercessors and get them to pray and move God, twist God's arm, make God do something. If that's the attitude that you have, that's the very thing that's keeping you from receiving from God. You need to get to where you rest in the Lord. You know, I'll probably teach on that in the next um, session this morning, Hebrews chapter 4 about resting in the Lord. That's powerful. But right now, I'm asking you that if, you, if this has helped you and if you're understanding some things, if you've never been born again, did you know it's as simple as Jesus has already paid for your sins? It's not a matter of, oh, Jesus, will you save me? He's already paid the price. Are you going to receive what he's done? If you need healing in your body, it's not a matter of, oh, God, would you please heal me today? No, he's already healed you. By his stripes, you were healed. Are you going to rest in what God has done, or are you going to still receive some condemnation that you haven't done enough, and you've got to be more? You've got to be holier before God will move in your life. God has already healed you. He's already saved you. He's already forgiven you. It's a matter of will you receive, not will he give. So let me ask here today, uh, just for time's sake and because we aren't having people come down front and lay hands on you, if you have some area of your life that you realize you've been trying to get God to move instead of just receiving what He's already done, instead of resting in Him, and you say, man, my faith's been quickened today with this truth, I'm ready to receive now. If that's you, I just want you to stand right where you are, and I'm going to pray for you, and we're believing for healing, for salvation, deliverance, prosperity, whatever it is that you need. If you need something and your faith's been quickened, you're ready to believe, just stand right where you are. Thank you, Jesus. And those of you watching, at home, watching on the internet, you can receive right there from the Lord, wherever you are. Father, I just pray for all of these people right now, and we thank you that Jesus has already provided everything. Father, just like during the praise and worship today, glorifying you for what you've already done. Father, we believe that you've already provided it, and so we just reach out and receive as a gift to be received, not a wage to be earned. We receive your goodness. Father, I pray for those that need salvation. Father, right now you said if we confess with our mouth, believe in our heart that Jesus was raised from the dead, we shall be saved. Father, for any person that doesn't personally know you, I pray that right now they say that with their mouth, that Jesus, I make you my Lord. I receive this salvation and we believe that they are born again. We believe that people are healed in Jesus' name, prospered, delivered, set free. Whatever it is that we need, we receive it right now in the name of Jesus. Amen. We hope what you heard today has been encouraging and given you new insight into the Word of God. We upload weekly, so join us again next time. Be blessed and enjoy your week.